So last week, Margie led a beautiful exploration of wise effort. And just as a summary for those who weren't there, wise effort involves the effort to release unskillful mental qualities and to strengthen beneficial mental qualities. And in her talk, Margie highlighted the power of going on retreat or finding other ways in the context of our daily lives to more intensively develop these different skillful qualities. And whether it's on retreat or through more intensive or focused daily life practice, the benefit of applying more effort is that just like every other thing in life, generally speaking, the more effort we make, the more results we receive. But of course, the big advantage of going on retreat is that we're removed from the usual demands and distractions of our everyday lives. So we can really settle in and more fully cultivate all the beautiful, skillful qualities of heart and mind, which, as you know, include things like the four Brahma-Vihara, so kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, which we've been focusing on, and equanimity. And then also the seven factors of awakening. Mindfulness, investigation, energy, joy, tranquility, samadhi, or unification of mind, and equanimity. So those are just to name a few of the skillful states that wise effort is orienting us towards. And I'm pretty confident that most of us here have had some direct experience of the mind being more settled in those skillful qualities. And what an immense relief it is, at least temporarily, to be free of the usual distracted, self-referencing, afflictive kind of mind states that sadly seem to be so common So even if we're not able to go on retreat at this point in time, it's still very possible to develop one specific quality that powerfully supports more sanity, more ease, more freedom, even in the middle of our everyday lives. So let's see if you can guess what that one specific mental quality is. I'll give you a clue we were cultivating before in the guided meditation. Mindfulness of the body. Mindfulness, just mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Mindfulness of anything. Mm -hmm. Mindfulness generally is that starting point. It's really the foundation of insight practice. So much so that I think most of you have probably heard dozens of talks on mindfulness maybe even hundreds of talks about mindfulness. So you might be wondering, well, what else can we possibly say about mindfulness? Well, to be honest, I was wondering, what else can I possibly say about mindfulness as I was preparing this talk? So one of the challenges of talking about mindfulness is these days it's become so mainstream, and not only mainstream, but commercialized, commodified, that the word mindfulness is used in ways that are to sell all kinds of products and services. So example, mindful bath salts. And these mindful bath salts promise 
to restore calm and serenity amidst modern life through a blend of Epsom and Himalayan mineral salts together with frankincense and bergamot and CBD oil. (laughs) There are also hundreds of masterclasses I discovered on mindful sex and mindful masturbation for individuals and for groups. So you can get a sense, just um, highlighting a couple of ways that mindfulness is used these days that I'm pretty sure the Buddha would not have recognized as being mindfulness. mindfulness shopping too, Yeah, there's mindfulness absolutely everything. You put any word in there, put mindfulness in front of it, you will find it on the internet. So I'm just using those two examples to highlight when any word gets overused, when it loses the depth and the subtlety of its original meaning, and then it starts to become totally disconnected from its original purpose. So we want to be clear, what are we talking about here? So in this context, what we're talking about is right or wise mindfulness, or sati, to use the Pali word. And as we've seen with all the previous factors of the Noble Eightfold Path, What makes a factor right or wise is that it's developed and supported by all the other path factors, beginning with wise view or right view. And that wise view is what makes sure all of these factors are developed in the service of freedom, ever-deepening freedom of heart and mind, culminating in Nibbana. So as you know, we've been... Uh, touching into Greg Kramer's book and this is how he describes the relationship between sati or mindfulness and the other path factors he says sati is recollected awareness in as much as awareness is essential to the monitoring of the body mind sati is essential to the entire eightfold path as awareness of our thoughts and actions sati is the basis of wise choices and is foundational to ethics. But another way, if we're not aware of our thoughts and emotions, they will spring only from habit. Sorry, our thoughts and actions will spring only from habit. The mind just rolls on according to its conditioning. This may produce wholesome or unwholesome results. Without sati, there is only a stream of reactions to circumstances. With sati, there is choice. So sati is the inflection point of freedom. So again, I think we've all had that experience that without mindfulness, what we think, say and do just springs from habit. And the mind rolls on according to its conditioning, creates a stream of reactions to circumstances. But as I mentioned earlier, we all also have had experience of times when we are not just slaves to that default habit patterns, those default habit patterns of heart and mind. And when sati is present, we're not just operating on autopilot. And it gives us a choice, because when we can see clearly what we're doing, as we're doing it, or even better, before we start doing it, it becomes possible to respond differently instead of react blindly. 
So mindfulness is the starting point of this whole journey to freedom, and it needs to be guided by wisdom to steer it in the right direction and to develop its full potential. And there's a key distinction between what we could think of as more mainstream mindfulness and wise mindfulness. So sometimes uh, with more mainstream mindfulness, the main instruction is to just be with your experience exactly as it is, without judging it, without trying to change it in any way. And while this is an aspect of wise mindfulness, and we definitely do need to strengthen our capacity to just meet experience as it is, as the mindfulness deepens, we need to discern whether what we're experiencing is leading to freedom or not. Is it beneficial or harmful? So this is an aspect of the wise effort that we've been exploring, the effort to reduce the unskillful mental qualities and to deepen the skillful qualities instead. And it does take effort. So there's also the effort just to remember to be mindful in the first place. Anybody noticed that? Mindfulness itself, it's, mindfulness itself is easy, but remembering to be mindful <laughs> is the hard part. So the Pali word sati does actually have a literal meaning of remembering or recollecting. So this sense is not so much about remembering the past, but remembering to be present. And if we think of remembering in the sense of recollecting or recollecting, there's that sense of gathering, of unification, of collecting back together from our perhaps more usual state of distractedness, scatteredness, and so on. So there's a feeling of integrity and wholeness when we're mindful that's subtly pleasant. So as most of you, those of you who have sat with Bhikkhun Alio recently, you remember his instruction to keep attuning to what's pleasant about simply being present. And part of that pleasantness is just from the sense of being gathered, stable, collected, rather than fragmented. So there's a second aspect of sati as remembering, which again isn't so much included in mainstream mindfulness because that's the aspect of remembering the Buddha's teachings. So we're keeping the framework or the lens of these teachings to the forefront. So even as we're present with our experience, we're also knowing it's impermanent. It's imperfect. It's impersonal. So you might recognize the three universal characteristics of anicca, dukkha, anatta. And I've given quite a few talks about those already, so I'm not going to go into those again now. What I would like to do is highlight how in the Buddha's teachings, mindfulness alone is not enough. So that's the title of a book you might know by Sayadaw Utejaniya. Mindfulness alone is not enough. In the Buddha's teachings, mindfulness is often paired with another mental quality, sampajanya, which means clear comprehension. So you might have heard the compound term sati sampajanya, mindfulness and clear comprehension. So we need to know 
not only what we're doing as we're doing it, but also things like the underlying motivation that we're doing it with, the purpose that we're doing it with, whether it's skillful or unskillful, leading to harm or to benefit. And that kind of investigation is also an awakening factor. So some of you know these seven factors of awakening. Mindfulness is the first one. Investigation is the second one. So again, we see mindfulness is paired with factors that make it not just passive knowing, but a more active discerning what's helpful and what isn't. So just to be clear though, the investigation that's being pointed to here is not sort of discursive, analytical, using the intellect to cogitate about the experience. It's pointing to a more embodied and intuitive and less verbal kind of understanding and exploration that supports insights on a whole new level. So I think that might be enough context just to start to explore this more directly, to do a kind of meditative exploration or contemplation of mindfulness quite directly. And this is based on some questions from Greg's book in the chapter on wise mindfulness. And he says, when I teach, I often refer to five questions to define sati. In fact, the action of asking each question actually creates sati. These questions are, why am I cultivating awareness? What am I aware of? How am I cultivating awareness? Where am I aware? And when am I aware? So rather than just asking you those questions again and us having a discussion, I thought to just sit in silence for a few moments and I will drop in these questions one at a time, give you some time just to let the questions sort of percolate, settle, then I'll ring a bell and just invite any responses that may have come up to that first question. Then we'll settle back into silence. I'll drop in the second question let it percolate, and then see what responses might come up. So that's the form I'd like to shift into now. Okay, so you might start just by re-establishing your meditation posture. So you can find, again, that balance of alertness and ease. and establishing that foundation of mindfulness of the body is always a good foundation. Just that sitting, knowing that you're sitting. And then steadying the attention on the awareness of just breathing in and breathing out. Very simple. Steadying the body, the heart, the mind. As you prepare to investigate mindfulness directly, 
and contemplate the first of Greg's questions. Why am I cultivating awareness? And he says, you could begin with calling to mind purposes you're familiar with, like peacefulness, clear thinking, or mitigating suffering. Beyond the thoughts, though, what do you sense as the direction of the heart when asked, why am I cultivating awareness? to connect with your inner wisdom anything else arise warmth and expansion to experience warmth and expansion thank you to not do harm to myself or others to not do harm to yourself or others clearing the fog Clearing the fog. Thank you. Travelling to truth. Mm, Travelling to truth. To be peaceful. To be peaceful. Remembering what's true. Remembering what's true. Release. Release. Thank you. Just return to silence again now. Reconnect with mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of breathing. Settling and steadying. Receiving a second question, what am I aware of? And Greg asks, what do you notice first when you observe what you're paying attention to? Thinking as a flow of words, a bodily sensation, sounds in the environment. How does the mind shift when there's an objective noticing of what is being attended to? So in silence for a few moments, just contemplating what am I aware of? Just listening for any responses that intuitively arise in response to what am I aware of? 
sense of purpose. Mm. Sense of purpose. Thank you. The gentle rhythm of the breath. The gentle rhythm of the breath. The great unknown. The great unknown. Not being separate from everything around me. Not being separate from everything around you. Oneness with the world. Oneness with the world. The synergy of the group meditating. The synergy of the group meditating. Just letting the words die down, the energy of the question and the responses just fade away, subside into stillness. Steadying, settling, breathing. then opening to the third question, how am I cultivating awareness? Greg says, notice your current capacity to investigate the qualities that are sustaining mindfulness. Is there energy, steadiness and clarity? Are you noticing internal or external experience? Or the rising and the vanishing of objects that form what you are aware of. So just again settling into the silence and receiving how am I cultivating awareness? Is there energy, steadiness and clarity? Are you noticing internal or external experience? or the rising and the vanishing of objects that form what you are aware of. Again, not overthinking, but just any responses to how am I cultivating awareness. Noticing the breath. Noticing the breath. Yes. Uh, noticing the visitors. Noticing the visitors. Dropping into stillness. Dropping into stillness. Saying yes to what is. Saying yes to what is. Staying open. Relaxing. Relaxing. 
Well, yes, relaxing again into the silence. Letting the words and the concepts dissolve a little. Simply sitting and breathing. And then attuning to the fourth question of where am I aware? Is there a here in this silence? Is the body here? Is body one thing and awareness another? Where is here? And is there a me here who is aware? (coughs) If so, where is that? And if not, what is that experience like? Just bringing mindfulness to that question, where am I aware? And seeing what responses naturally arise. Inside. In this present moment. In this present moment. Breathing with the whole space. Breathing with the whole space. In the heart. In the heart. Observing. Observing. Uncertain. Uncertain. Here. Here. In the gaps. And then again, just letting the ripples of those responses fade away.
Letting the awareness reconnect with the experience of the body sitting. Sitting and breathing. As we contemplate now the final question, when am I aware? Is there something called now? Try for just a moment to be mindful in the past or the future. It is not possible. What is the experience of a never-ending now? Just letting those questions settle into the being. Contemplating when am I aware? When is now? Forever. Or now? When is now? Now. Now. Maybe it's all that there is. Maybe it's all that there is. It's always available to us. It's always available to us. Just one more minute to notice the quality of mindfulness now. Presence, alertness, clarity or confusion. Just noticing how is the sati now? of mindfulness itself with me. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.